0: I'm so proud, Tony, of so many specialized carriers and drivers out there that are willing to leave money on the table for the damn sake of safety. My God, we only have one life to live, you know? Hello again, everyone, and welcome to the Pro Miles podcast featuring Tony Stroncheck. Did I get that right? Stroncheck. Yeah, a lot better than strongcheck. <laughs> are you Polish or what are you? Stron, S-T-R-O-N. Well, I grew up thinking
1: I was Polish, buddy. I was, you know, my dad thought he was Polish until we got our DNA test done and found out that he didn't have much Polish in him. Well, what are you? I don't know. <laughs> I call myself, well, I know what my kids are. You know, I'm Polish. My wife, is a coon ass, so we always call them pole asses.
0: <laughs> well, very good. Well, it is Stron check, not strong check. Stron check, and but I am you, strong. You yes, you are. You know, in more ways than one. So this is part two. Yeah. Pro Miles podcast featuring Tony Stron check, and if you listen to part one. We introduced ourselves briefly and we discussed a little bit about the exciting different types of podcasts that we're going to have moving forward, the types of guests we're going to have, decision bringing decision makers at the highest level, but also bringing uh, folks like us and, and, and drivers and dispatchers and bringing them together and watching the discussion flow uh, back and forth. We spent a lot of time talking in part one about uh, various aspects that Tony and ProMiles is involved in, truck navigation, fuel, IFTA, IRP. Today in part two, ProMiles is that diverse, folks, that we have to have a part two of our inaugural podcast. We're gonna focus on a little bit of oversized, overweight issues, permitting issues that that ProMiles is very, very involved in. Tell us about the permitting background, Tony, of of ProMiles. It's a big part of of what we do. It is. Uh, Well, first of all, both myself and my uh, partner, Tim
1: Pilcher, uh, we both grew up in the permit world we helped get licensing registration fuel tax we did all this kind of stuff uh for our parents and you know through the years um the regulatory compliance side of the business
0: um it's complicated there's a lot of regs to to kind of figure out It it is very complicated and complex tony and that's actually the the, the subject of our podcast discussion today and that is the truck accident lawyers that are out there and that brings forth a lot of emotion from a lot of different people, but in our world, of my world of specialized transportation, never before did we see the truck accident lawyers really zeroing in on that particular aspect of quote-unquote truck accidents, but as we're going to share with you today, attorneys are discovering just what you said, that it's complex enough in the regular trucking industry, all the rules and such. But when you start talking about moving an oversized, overweight load, you can times by 15 the number of rules and provisions that drivers of these loads must follow from one state to another, sometimes, hell, from one county uh, to another. And these trucks accident lawyers, as we're going to talk about here shortly, they're now zeroing in and they are directly marketing to quote unquote truck accident victims and they're saying to them basically these are my words paraphrasing tony they're saying hey guys it's one thing to get involved in an incident with an irregular legal 18-wheeler but whoa if you get involved with an incident involving an oversized overweight load i've got as your attorney 10 more volumes of special permits and provisions and rules and procedures that I can uncover and go through. And if I can find one or two of those provisions, whether they had anything to do with the accident or not, I might make you a millionaire. And and I hate to be so crass about it, Tony, and we are sympathetic to the true victims out there, but that kind of stuff's going on nowadays and we need to continue to be vigilant and Discuss it within our industry and make sure that we're safe and prepared. And the goal here, Stephen, is education. You know, if that driver
1: was better educated and had better information, then he would have been able to comply a lot better. The problem is, it's all over the board. The condition sheets that come along with a permit that details all these little things you have to do. If you miss one bump in that structure and in that instructions of how you're going to get there, that one bump could cost you your business. Your ability to drive a truck and possibly even your freedom. And you end up going to jail. So this is serious. It's not only serious for just the victim, Steven, but the guy that was in the act, the guy that was driving the truck. Oh my God. If his lack of information, lack of knowledge, you know, everything that guy had, he's going to lose
0: because his whole life was driving that truck. Yeah. And I hate to use the word nuclear verdict because that's a new catchphrase now in our industry when we're talking about this, but Whether you want to call it a nuclear verdict or not, a growing number of cases are developing in the specialized transportation world and the trucking world uh, that are costing, in some cases, drivers and owners of companies, their entire company or their life in some cases. Now, the thing I hate worst about podcasts is if somebody starts reading something and, and maybe our... Wonderful producer Megan will will put this up on the screen later. But to set the table, Tony, for this discussion, I do want to read a couple of sentences. And this is out of a truck accident attorney's marketing information directly to potential victims in incidents involving an oversized load. And I just want to read through these couple of sentences from this attorney's marketing material. One of the first and most crucial steps in any personal injury claim is determining what rules the negligent driver should have been following and whether or not they did so. For truck accidents involving oversized and overweight loads, there are many more rules and regulations, and this is what you're referring to, Tony, to be followed than even for an ordinary truck driving situation, which itself is more complicated than the general laws for operating motor vehicles. Accurately and thoroughly identifying the applicable rules for a particular OSOW truck accident and whether the driver and escort crew followed them is key to successfully concluding any resulting personal injury claim or lawsuit. And here's their clincher. If you or a family member has suffered a serious injury due to negligence of an oversized overweight truck driver, Please contact us today at blah 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 blah. Now again, Tony, just to set the tone, we are—I I mean, you and I are both God-fearing men. We are very sympathetic and understanding, and so sorry when someone truly is legitimately injured uh, in any accident, uh, let alone a truck truck incident. But damn it, Tony, you and I both know, and everybody listening to this uh, podcast knows that there are. Some people uh, who may falsely claim to have been involved in an incident, Uh, cameras are proving that out uh, every day now. And there are some attorneys, and I respect the attorney profession, but there are some attorneys who, when faced with the prospect of making a couple of million dollars, particularly for an oversized overweight incident, um, they they may uncover a few rocks and try to expose something that perhaps isn't there. Just calling a space and the challenge,
1: and I'll tell you, Steven, it it really upsets me that there are drivers out there that they do deserve to get in trouble. They they do deserve to have you know everything thrown at them that they can. Why? Because they were negligent. You know, and these are the guys that aren't applying for permits. These are guys trying to bootleg and and run the back roads and try to get away and beat the system. It's those guys that are making everybody else look bad. But these attorneys, it's the same way. You got some really good attorneys. There's attorneys out there that also support the drivers in these situations that really care for the driver want to help the driver when it comes to supporting him. But the problem you've got, money. That money is an evil thing. And there are attorneys, and we see them on TV all the time, you know, going after the trucking market. Why? Bigger truck, bigger money. Liability, they at least have a million dollars worth of liability insurance, so we know we can at least go after that. So it's not the right thing to do, but we do also need to do our part and educate those drivers to make sure they do comply with all the rules and regs. And as long as we can give them the ability to have the right information, then those drivers should make the right decisions. The ones that don't, I do believe they uh, they need to be reprimanded i mean if you're not doing your job because here's the thing stephen when in transportation if you're going to haul specialized carrier type commodities you're going to haul hazmat material Mm -hmm. there's qualifications there's things that you need to go through that the average driver just don't have to do there's no need for them to go through if you're not hauling hazmat you don't have to worry about placards you don't have to worry about you know knowing what routes you can and cannot take that combined hazardous material so if you decide to get into the industry and be, quote, specialized carrier, it's like going to a specialist doctor, okay? Your regular doctor, your co-pays 20 bucks, But you go to that specialist, your co-pays 50 bucks. Why? Because the specialist should know what they're doing. Same thing here. You know, we need to make sure that we expose the specialists, the really good guys out there that mm-hmm. know, knows exactly how to move this freight and how to do things, listen to them, build laws around them. But then go after the guys that don't know what they're doing and educate, teach them. Because if that truck gets in an accident, number one, they're going to say it's the trucker's fault. So get your dash cams, get your cameras on your trucks and start protecting yourself. Because it's so much easier to sit in the front of a courtroom knowing that this driver just lost their life. This mother just lost their child or whatever may have happened. Okay. It's a lot easier to say, yep, that trucker's bad. They go down this road all the time. They, they always pull out in front of me. They do all these bad things. Oh, yeah. So if that is a good attorney, that attorney will convince that jury that that guy was bad. He was wrong. He was the worst guy in the whole world. Look what he's done. But what they failed to tell you is he works for a fleet. The fleet he works for knew the information but didn't give that information to that driver. So never look just one
0: side of this. We you need mentioned- to look at both sides. Yeah, you've mentioned educate a couple of times, and that's precisely what I want us to try to do here in this podcast without naming names, of course, or specific incidents. You and I have been around the block uh, in different careers, you on the technology and software side and truck navigation and permitting and me from a government side, Illinois DOT, and then years at SCNRA representing carriers. And I've also done a fair amount of expert witnessing during those years, Tony. And what I want to do is walk you and I through a couple of 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 most likely scenarios that these truck accident lawyers are looking for now when they are approached by an alleged victim of an oversized overweight load case. And let's start with what I'm most recently seeing, and that is um, the the good old pre-trip meeting. And what we're talking about there is most, if not all states put in writing that for any load involving one or more pilot car drivers or bucket trucks or police, a pre-trip meeting amongst those parties must be held in person, on site, prior to each day's move. And I emphasize that word each day's move because that particular phrase I just used has been at the crux of a couple of recent multi-million dollar verdicts. Uh, against uh, Uh friends of ours in this particular industry. So that pre-trip meeting, which you and I talk to drivers and pilot cars all the time, and for many of them, Tony, um, it's like you and I doing what we do every day in our profession. Sometimes it can become a little monotonous, right? But um, from your perspective, Tony, regardless of whether it's required or not, why why sh- why do states have that rule in place do you imagine that a driver and his pilot escort teammates <laughs> might want to talk about prior well, to when the trip? right
1: hand don't know what the left hand's doing steve that's your problem and yeah. so the way these escorts work as you know is i mean you you got a pole car in front of you that's got a pole and they're going to see if they're going to hit mm-hmm. they're, they're responsible to do their part and you, you got a, a rear car you've got all these different you know people that are in this transit but have you ever went on a vacation with your family when your family was grown up and they were going to drive their own car so every day you get up you wake up you go have breakfast together and what do you do you're going to spend five minutes talking about all right we're going to stop first we're going to stop second what's our goal today to get to uh and by the way i looked at the weather you know, we're going to have really mm-hmm. bad weather here, so we better allow an extra hour time. And, oh, and by the way, you know, there is a great restaurant next to this truck stop that we want to stop at. So let's plan that. So as a family, before we were to leave, if I didn't do that, you know, they that's, no a, great that's a great analogy. I'm the lead car and I'm driving mm-hmm. down the road. It, my concern, Stephen, is if your team, just even like a football team, are you going to have. Uh, your team go out there and your quarterback know everything he wants to do, but he didn't share any of those things with any of the other members. How can you play as a team if you don't communicate as a team? So every time you go out and you, before you get in that truck, every trucker, no matter if it's oversized load or not, must do a walk around inspection of the vehicle. it mm-hmm. take 15 mm-hmm. minutes to make sure everything's working properly. You know, And how many guys, like you said, oh, we do this all the time. I looked at it yesterday. It should be perfectly fine. Then two miles down the road, they lose their brakes, uh, tire blows. Something happens that causes a major accident, and they go back to the ELD device, and they realize that he didn't log a pre-inspection. At
0: that point, that one thing is going to cost that guy millions of dollars. Yeah, I hope all of our listeners already fully understand that this is needed and is important, and that family trip analogy is a great one. i got to remember that one. But even if you don't acknowledge that, Uh, As a viewer or listener to this podcast, what I have instructed to my past customers and clients in the specialized transportation industry is don't count. Don't count on your driver or the pilot to necessarily remember. They're human to remember to have that, even if it's a five-minute meeting every morning. But set some mechanisms in place, just like you do within ProMiles. Uh, uh, Yourself and Michelle and others have policies and procedures in place that cause the rest of us every once in a while to say, Oh yeah, yeah, I I need to remember to do that. Have a mechanism, Tony, in place at at central office or dispatcher. In fact, make two or three people responsible every day to ensure in writing by video, by picture or otherwise to make sure that damn pre-trip was held, even if it's just five minutes, because again, Tony, I can't emphasize enough. And you know, some of the incidents I'm talking about, Carriers and drivers have lost hundreds of thousands of dollars, millions of dollars because for even five minutes at the beginning of a multi-trip, multi-state, multi-day trip, they didn't stop and have five minutes of discussion. And you talked about family analogies, but the real life analogies are, hey. Uh, We got a bridge coming up in 40, 50 miles, and it's one of those tricky bridges where it's a span bridge. And remember, we got to be in the left lane, not the right lane, those types of things. Or We've got an intersection coming up in the next city uh, about halfway through our day. Here's our plan as we go through here. Uh, Communication, what to say, stop, stop, stop. But uh, just can't emphasize that enough, Tony, on those pre-trip meetings costing our industry needlessly, foolishly costing our industry millions of dollars. And not only that, Stephen, the thing you got to look at this, having that meeting
1: is an obvious thing that has to happen. It's different when you have one truck and I'm driving the truck and it's just me. Okay. I talk to myself. I know what I'm going to do. I, I, I can communicate by saying, Hey, you idiot, you should have took a left here instead of a right. But what if you've got cars in front of you, you got cars behind you, you got bucket trucks, you got law enforcement and everything else. If you don't coordinate these things right, it's going to take you three times the time to get from point A to point B because nobody knows. Somebody's going to take the wrong exit. Somebody goes, well, I'll, I'll, this is where we we'll want to eat at. I want a McDonald's. But the driver wants a Burger
0: King. You've got to coordinate these things. Yeah. It's life. Amen. Enough, enough of the pre-trip. <clears throat> Next real-life scenario, and I'm seeing cases— against OSOW drivers in our industry for this specific reason too. And you've heard me Tony talk uh, in our truck navigation meetings internally with ProMiles uh, about curfews and those types of things. Mm -hmm. And here's why. In real life, drivers and carriers are losing cases for millions of dollars in one particular case, and I can't say too much, but in one particular case, Uh, A driver going from one state to another had maybe 20 minutes left to get to their destination. And like a typical OSOW load, Tony, there had been delays that build up throughout the day. These are big objects that have to move and sometimes get delayed, but he was 20 minutes away from his destination. And his sunset provision kicked in as you well know, and everybody knows listening to this, um, OSOW loads more often than not, are required to shut down either at sunset or usually within 30 minutes of sunset, 10 to 12 minutes past that sunset provision in that particular state. This wide load is on a two lane road, elderly couple coming the other way. Um, and, um, it's still debatable to this day, Tony, who was at fault. The wide load permit, well, technically, he, the driver was at fault because of the curfew rule, but had he not been past his curfew by 12 minutes, Tony, he was on route. Yes, he had a wide load. Unfortunately, he had been routed on a little shorter two-lane road, but tragically, the elderly couple coming to, um, You know they made some decisions. The driver of the load made some decisions, and um, the the um, the elderly couple pulled over, uh, and as they attempted to come back over after the load passed, struck the trailing chase pilot car, um, and were tragically killed. Um, had it not been for a curfew situation, I'm not trying to make light Tony of of this tragedy, but had it not been for that sunset situation, this Uh would have been, and I was called in on this case. This would have been a very, very difficult case for a judge or jury to determine, but because Tony of that curfew, that driver Uh being 10 minutes past when he was supposed to be driving. That driver and that carrier got nailed to the wall. And one of those carriers yep. is out of business today. Curfews, curfews, yep. curfews. Yeah. And it's, it's also not just curfews. You also have weather, don't you? You know, oh, on the weather yeah, side. Yeah.
1: In certain yeah. type of weather, you got to pull over and stop. And these are the things that are going to keep us safe. This, there's reasons these rules are there because we've done this for a long time. Uh, us as the, you know, North America being the lead in the world. You know, we know what we need to do. You know, the average driver knows what he needs to do. But you start getting into some of these other pieces and all of a sudden you've got pages and pages and pages of condition sheets. So when you get a permit, you know, along with that comes well here's all the conditions. Here's all the do's and the don'ts and the the extra things you need to worry Mm -hmm. about. And some of that could be many, many pages long. And to be honest with you, you read some of them. It's kind of confusing, too. So who determines where the sun's at to call it? You know that time of the day. You know, there's. It's very difficult for the drivers in the industry to comply with all these rules if they're so dynamic. And it is. This is why specialized carriers are special people. It takes special people to understand what to do and not oh do in goodness. these situations. Yeah.
0: No offense to the rest of the trucking industry, but I mean, you, you literally got to be the best of the best when, when you you're doing I mean, two hundred thousand. Just like if you can all
1: hazmat. Am I going to want? To haul hazmat material, yeah. explosives, and I don't know how to deal with it, and I'll be sweating my my butt off trying to drive down the road trying to do this. I mean, you yeah. got to have you you know again, knowledge communication is the key, and there are so many rules, so many regulations. Like you said, by city, by county, by state, it's to be honest with you, it's so overwhelming. Uh, we have tons and tons of people that track these rules and regulations, and they still don't know them all. So how can you ever expect a driver to? So your point here, Stephen, of, you know, just being that 10 minutes, that 10 minutes cost that carrier almost a million dollars a minute, yeah. million dollars yeah. per minute. That's a lot. You could have bought a commercial on, you know, uh, big football, you know, the Super Bowl, you know, you could buy a, a little slot there for 30 seconds for a few million bucks. But no, they didn't do that. They had to pay somebody else and and here's the thing it to me what you said it wasn't the trucker's fault because the elderly couple was coming around the truck they hit the next pilot car so in reality it was their fault but because of rules he got blamed because of that 10 minutes that, oh yeah
0: yeah i guess, what's I guess so that's hard. my point it's it it, it in my opinion and I was representing the carrier, of course, there. But in my opinion, it would have been very debatable whether that driver uh, and the carrier would have been found at fault if not for the curfew. But the bigger picture, Tony, I think is this forget curfews. Before I came to ProMiles, I was at SCNRA, as you well know. And primarily, we were representing management, uh, right, uh, within these specialized mm-hmm. carriers. And it's gotten a lot, lot better over time, Tony. And I applaud management at carriers for doing this. But the real story is not curfew or pre-trip meetings, but it's time is money. And how often do we hear that in the Mm -hmm. trucking industry? And my point is this: management at the specialized carrier level, especially, they've gotten much better at this, and there most of them are very good at this. But there is still, at times, I'm sorry to say. Pressure, whether real or not, that is felt at the driver level and the dispatch level to finish that job. I got yep. ten minutes left to get to my destination. If I don't, I'm either going to get in trouble. The customer's going to start screaming at me. Maybe it's a personal thing. That means one more night I'm going to be away from my, my my wife and my my children. And I get that. I truly get that. But my point being, Tony is, and they've gotten much better about this, but. Doggone it we must continue to ensure that our drivers and the dispatchers and those pilots uh, are not feeling any extra iota of pressure to finish that job, even if it means breaking one little rule because yeah. it has and does cost lives and money.
1: It sure does, Steven, and it's a sad thing that we all grew up this way to you know to follow rules, right And normally you just get a slap on the hand and you move on but. This is different. This is putting people's lives at risk. This is putting infrastructure at risk.
0: I think I might have time for one or two more, and these are, again, a real-life incidents of mm-hmm. people in our industry losing their butts, losing millions of dollars um, because of one simple mistake that could have been avoided. Next topic is pilot car certification. As you well know, Tony, a small but growing number of states are now requiring that if you're piloting in that state you must have that state's pilot certification or through reciprocity, another state that that state, uh, allows. In addition to that, as we know, the manufacturers are now getting into, uh-huh. to this world. Um, three wind manufacturers, in addition to pilot certification training at the government level are now requiring that. To move a certain commodity, wind in this case, you must have another course that, sh- that, 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 huh. that is proven to be taken. Well, I'm here to tell you that even though that hasn't been tested yet, because that, that Pack certification is not required yet, don't think, Mr. Carrier or Mr. Driver, in the future, that if you're involved in an incident, whether it's your fault or not, and that that opposing trial attorney starts uncovering all the policies and procedures that you're supposed to follow don't think that just because your pilot is properly certified by a government to be moving in that particular state don't think that just that if they don't have this wit certification well that's okay because the government's not requiring it oh no 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 judges and juries if they are faced with evidence by the trial attorney for the alleged victim that to move that commodity, even though the government didn't require it, your customer required it. And more importantly, by you accepting that job, you were saying that you you had been through this particular training. Mm -hmm. Don't think for a moment that won't be used against you. It is. So make damn sure, even though it costs you money sometimes and trouble, make damn sure that just like you do with your driver, right? Um, Carriers do a Great great job, Tony, of making sure their drivers, CDL and their insurance and their drug and alcohol and all of that is up to date. but I'm here to tell you, although it's getting better, Tony, in the industry, the pilot world is the dirty little secret in terms of sometimes in cutting corners, I think we fail in this industry sometime to make damn sure those pilots are properly certified and trained. and whether you think in the carrier world that it's important to have that or not, it doesn't matter, does it, Tony? The law and that, more importantly, that judge is going to rule against your butt. If Definitely not will. Certified. And, and here's the thing, you know, if you've got
1: escort vehicles, they're there for a reason. They're there to make sure that there wasn't a mistake made before the load was taken when it comes to the routing and what's coming above. So you got the guy in the front. His goal is to be far enough ahead to see anything and everything going on, including road is shut down. We had an accident. Let them tell the people behind. So you have to communicate. Again, you're not just one person in a truck. You're in a truck and you may have three, four, five, six other vehicles around you that are a part of this. So the communication between all of them has to be real time. It has to be where that pilot car is telling the lead, what's he doing? That guy in the lead is now telling the trucker, hey, this is what was coming up. Here's what we need to do. And if they're unsure, pull over, pull over and stop, stop. you know, best thing to stop, get back together. Everybody So, all right, guys, I ain't been in this area before, but the weather looks like it's coming. What are we going to do? Okay. Stop, pull over. And you're going, but that's going to take us time and money. We could be talking while we're driving down the road. You want to be driving a 250,000 pound load and on the phone at the same time in a jurisdiction says you're not allowed to be on the phone. And all of a sudden, now you've opened up that liability that much bigger. Why? You're trying to do the best you can. You're trying to deal with this weather problem coming up. But you got to do it the right way. You got to get off of that road and stop. But where do you stop? Where can you stop with a 250,000 pound load and
0: park at? Some truck stops are not going to want you to pull in. So it is not easy on these guys. And Tony, how many times do you got to do it the right way? 99 out of 100, 999 out of 1,000? Nope. It's that one time. time. It's that Mm -hmm. one time that you fail to do that. And, and, you know, bottom line is this, and before I get to the one last example, you and I, Tony, we've never professionally driven oversized loads in our life. We've never professionally managed a specialized carrier, but you and I have been in and around the periphery of this business for many, many years. And for me, Tony, the bottom line is without being too preachy is, is, uh, regardless of your personal feelings about whether uh some silly obscure rule or provision within a state is is legitimate or not yeah we can all gripe about it at the the water cooler but the bottom line i think tony is everybody on both sides management side and the driver and dispatcher side chill out relax take your time slow down and at the end of the day If you've not quite there um, with your load, it's the end of the day. 10 out of 10 times. If you play it that way, yes, you may lose a job. You may lose some some profitability from time to time on a job. But I'm so proud, Tony, of so many specialized carriers and drivers out there that that are willing to leave money on the table, lose customers sometimes for the damn sake of safety. My God, we only have one life to live, you know? Well, Steven, you know, one thing we got to look at here, you
1: know, we're talking the driver, we're talking the pilot cars and all that. And you even mentioned some of the windmill shippers. They're embracing this. And you know why? They, they would rather you take that 10 minutes and pull over and wait and be late for that delivery of that load versus the piece of equipment on there took two years to build, cost $5 million, uh, but you got two more years to replace it. So if you get in an accident, They think it's a structure, hits it, it hits a structure. Then all of a sudden you've took that piece of equipment off the market. Now the group that ordered this equipment, they, they pay literally $20,000 a day to use this equipment. So every day that equipment's not in use, that's $20,000 a day for that heavy equipment that they needed. Now they've got to go back to the manufacturer. All right, go build me another one. All right. Be another two years. You can't wait the two years. So I think the more that the shippers understand what those requirements are, the more those shippers will embrace it. And I also feel like those good shippers aren't going to get pissed at you because you were 10 minutes late. They're going to be pissed at you because you ruined
0: their load. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. Last quick example, Tony, and then we'll we'll wrap this up. And, and I save this one for last because it's right up you in ProMile's wheelhouse. And that is we're also seeing a growing number of incidents in which um, the OSOW driver and carrier and pilots did everything right. Kind of like the other examples with one exception. And that is for just a brief time in a couple of these cases, very brief time, just a, about two miles went off route. Mm-hmm. Share, share with me from the heart, Tony, cause I know, I know you're emotional about this as, as is Tim. Um, the impact of technology that's out there. It's out there for the industry now to take advantage of to simply ensure that their oversized overweight load is on route.
1: Well, part of that, Stephen, we did with the state of Illinois, uh, we actually took the route that they produced as being their permitted load. And just for record, we do not do Illinois permits. Um, and they're the only state that uses here.com routing technology, mm. uh, to actually route these things. But what we did is we took the data that gave us the breadcrumb where these, where your truck was supposed to go at each one of those, it gave you things like, you know, pull all the way to the left, uh, you know, deflate your tires, you know, all the specifics that have to be for that load are detailed in here. And what we did to help Illinois is we took that data and we turned it into a route guidance app. So basically you can go download ProMile's miles route guidance. And today, Illinois is the first state that's got it. We've got four or five other states that are coming on board soon. And with this, you get your permit, the bottom of your permit, you get a QR code. You just take this free app. Don't cost you anything. Don't cost the state anything. Mm. ProMiles is funding 100% of this on our own. We're giving it back to the industry. Why? Because today, nobody can navigate an oversized load. Because you have to, you can't just route it. You have to guide it. You have to follow what the rule says. You have to follow these requirements. The other part about this Is these restrictions so as you know let's say certain restrictions come along with weather certain restrictions may come along with you know how you know is the daylight outside or not each one of these things we can incorporate within this to know where you're at where you're traveling and know to warn you that hey your time's coming up buddy you better slow down and and by the way here's two choices of truck stop over the next 15 miles but we recommend you stop there because there's nowhere else to stop so bringing the technology from the permit and giving it a voice you know reckon a uh, voice system that talks to you and tells you what to do just like a google navigation would do but the difference is we're not navigating you we're following the route yeah. so as soon as you go to get off that route we're going to scream like crazy get back on that route you know do not detour off of
0: that route well i appreciate you uh, uh plugging our, our audible routing and even though you're my boss i'm going to give you a raise for that because i wasn't expecting you to go there where i was leading you was. Uh, and, and now I'm probably going to get a little emotional, but subject of just getting your permit and automated permitting. And when I first came to SCNRA, automated permitting, you guys had just started in Texas at that time. I think you were up and running for about a year. And you know one of the competitors had five or six other states going. But when we started talking automated permitting, even as little as 12, 15 years ago, it was met with a lot of skepticism, not yep. only in the industry, but even governments had to be sold on this. And one damn thing, Tony, I am so proud of about you guys and ProMiles and, and and what you all did was, um, and, and the federal government uh, a few years later proved it in, in a very famous study that they did. And that is, and, and my big story that I'm trying to lead to is, uh, to avoid these multimillion dollar uh, lawsuits against you, just get your damn permit, right? It's so yep. damn easy nowadays in most states. It's so damn easy. The excuses, Tony, of years gone past where it takes me six hours to get a routine permit or it takes me six weeks to get a super load permit. Yeah, that still happens on occasion, but more often than not, thanks to automated permitting and the leadership from you and Tim uh, with, with Pro Miles, as the federal government said, by getting by 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 states now issuing permits automated, it has increased the number of carriers yes. getting permits. Why? To borrow Tony's ground check phase. Why? <laughs> because uh, if it's much easier for me to get my permit, I'm going to get my permit. Uh, right. I'm not going to run without it. What happens when more permits are issued? Uh, when more permits are issued, the roadways become safer. Okay. Infrastructure becomes safer because people are operating uh, on those permits. And it's just kind of a domino effect. It's more efficient for the carrier industry. So, my long winded point here, Tony, and what I was teeing up for you and ProMile's success is just get a damn permit nowadays. Yep. There's no excuse not to get a permit. Yep. And that alone, But beyond the pre-trip and the pilot certification and everything else, if you just get a permit and follow those proper procedures, which are so easy nowadays, thanks to software by ProBiles and and others, um, everything else typically can fall into place at that point and keep your butt out of jail. Speaking out of jail, Tony, and I know we're running out of time, but... Uh, I've been following this incident in Ohio from a couple of years ago, and I need to follow up, but it was the first case I'm aware of. And maybe this Colorado case you talked about in the last podcast, maybe be the next one. But in Ohio, a gentleman failed to get a permit, didn't even get a pilot, ran in the middle of the night with an overheight load, hit a structure. The load fell off. A woman driving up from behind struck that load. It killed her he was charged with vehicular homicide. The first mm-hmm. instance I'm aware of, of an OSOW driver being charged with murder, uh, mm-hmm. seriously. Uh, but, but I'm sadly believe Tony, it won't be the last with these bridge hits. It won't be. It won't. And
1: Stephen, the one thing that was amazing to me, when we started doing this, we like a good example, Texas was about 540,000 permits a year that they issued. There are almost 900,000 a year now the it's not that just so many more loads uh were needed to haul no that's how many loads were running illegal that's how many guys out there in the back of these these bombs missiles that they're driving down the road in the middle of night half asleep half awake needs more cup of coffee turn come back boom what happens bad things happen you know and you're right it does we have spent So many hours, so many weekends, so many holidays, so many launches, getting this shit out there, that it really makes me mad that the industry knows it's easy to get these down. You can go to the website, and within five minutes, you're done, and you've got this. Where before, yeah, everybody was scared. They were looking at paper maps. DOT guys that really knew what they were doing had to make these routes and had to do it all by hand. They were scared. They were so scared to go to technology because technology has bugs. Things don't always work the way you want them to. But knock on wood, we've been able to take and pre-build all this data and validate the information before we even take it. Then we do uh, specific carriers come on first. We launch with them. We test with them. It's a testing. When we develop a state system, we bring the industry in as well. We bring the truckers, we bring the state association. We're going, all right, we're going to go do this. Is there anything you have to say about this? Any feedback you want to give us? And again, communication, bringing everybody together to realize that today, you should not run without a permit. There's no reason. In the past, people were pushed by the shipper going, it has to be there by tomorrow. I know you can't get a permit. So guess what that shipper would tell them? I'll pay your fines. I'll pay your uh your penalties. Anything you run into, we got you covered, buddy. Oh, the driver said, thank you so much. I'm going to go that extra 10 miles. But guess what? When they got in an accident, something happened. Where was that shipper at? I didn't tell him anything. I didn't give you anything right and say you need to do this. You are the driver. It's up to you to know what you're doing and not doing. Not us. That's why we're paying you to do this. So really, the shipper calls that guy to lose his wife, his kids, and now he's going to be in jail the rest of his life. Why? Yeah. Because of a decision. A decision not to do the right thing. It's just like, you know, you're going to go hunting in Colorado. You're going to have a hunt license, right? Because trust me, if you mm-hmm. don't here in Colorado, they're going to bury you. They're real picky about having a hunting license up here. So no different than that. Even, e- hunting, even
0: for neighborhood bears? Even for neighborhood bears? Even for scumps? the neighborhood bears, even for them. Uh, they want you to have That's a, a permit to do it. Yeah.
1: And if you shoot that bear without it, buddy, you're going to jail. Well, this is no different. You are in, you're in a rocket going 70 miles down the road. You could kill so much with that. And you're going to do it after hours? You're going to do it against regulations? That's what makes me mad, is that people know it's easy out there. You can do this, but they're going to, you know, cut, cut the curve a little bit, you know, cheat a little bit here or there, to make that little extra money. You do that, it's going to take somebody's life, and it's going to cause all the other guys that are doing the right thing out there, driving the right order the permits, it's going to make them look bad, and they're not. I have more specialized carers in this industry that are good, outstanding people that are trying their best doing a damn good service learning these regulations and pushing this they spend so much more time and effort in this than the average joe but guess what they're hauling a much bigger load they're much much more liable for what they're going to do so steven all i can tell to anybody out there get your permit order it you know if you have problems doing that call us we've got
0: hundreds of permit services we can refer you to you know that can help you make sure you get it right And just to wrap up and, and I apologize to anybody that's been listening. Um, if you thought I got a little too emotional here in your face, but it's, it's an emotional subject for me. And besides that, our wonderful producer, Tony, Miss Megan, um, you know, when she was debriefing with us after the first podcast and handing out constructive criticism, of course, um, she got on you a fair amount, but I'll leave that for another day. But to me, in addition to pronouncing your name, your damn name, right? strong check, which I think I'm getting better at. She asked for a little more emotion and passion out of me. And by God, I, had, I, I think I showed it today. And we, we picked a topic that's near and dear to my heart. But again, uh, all kidding aside, we're not trying to be tough and rough on this industry. Tony and I love this industry. We bleed this yeah. industry of specialized transportation. What we're trying to do more than anything, what I'm trying to do, Uh, in this podcast is shock every last living one of us to out of that monotony of not making that mistake just one time because all it takes is one time and that damn trial attorney and i'm using that phrase loosely for that profession if you're in an osow load and you get in an incident whether it's your fault or not And I know this from experience as being a a criminal trial expert. They are nowadays, as I shared with you that marketing promo, nowadays, I bet you, unfortunately, they're gonna uncover every lack last rock and provision. And whether you like that provision or not, if they find you didn't follow it, whether you're at fault or not, Mm -hmm. you and your driver and your family and your company are gonna pay for it. And so. That's, that's what the emotion's all about here. I love this industry, Tony, as much as you do. And I don't want to see any of my friends or colleagues in this industry suffer from another one of those ridiculous nuclear verdicts because of failing to get a permit or failing to run during curfew hours. I'm with you, Steven. I love this industry. They're the best of the best.
1: Without them, we wouldn't have anything. I mean, think about it, Stephen. If, if those truckers hauling those big loads wouldn't happen, I wouldn't be able to sit on the side of this mountain here in Colorado. The excavators couldn't have got up here. Nobody could have got things done to create this country the way it is without all this big equipment. We need this. And to keep us growing, to make our infrastructure bigger and better, and to solve a lot of the other issues going on with our infrastructure, it takes time. But it takes us as an industry to embrace this. And again, I, I I hate ever hearing that somebody traveled through a state with a permit system that we have, and thought they just couldn't get it quick enough, and they just mm. didn't do it. That just it 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 hurts my heart. It hurts our industry. And if anything, it just makes us look bad. And there are guys out there that deserve this. Like I said, guys out there that aren't following the rules, guys out there that aren't doing the things. But those that are are getting judged. As if they wasn't. They don't know what's going on. That jury doesn't understand oversized, overweight complexity. They don't. All they know is you've got this big truck. You're getting paid all these extra money because it's a yeah. specialized load. You're supposed to know what you're doing. No different than if you went to a doctor and that specialist says, Hey, I can remove your gallbladder, but he's never done it before. And you're going to have him remove your gallbladder? Well, that's up to you. You should have done your background check. Great analogy. That's why Great analogy. out there in this energy, a lot of these shippers out there are now embracing this. Why? They've solved too many problems. Too many accidents. They would rather take extra time and get that windmill where it needs to go. Get that blade where it goes. Do you know how long it takes to build one of those? Do you know what it would hmm. take to redo it? I mean, it's just like about this big equipment. It costs a lot of money and a lot of time. And if they can produce
0: them faster, we would have a lot more windmills. Yeah. This time, Miss Megan, I mean it. I really am going to wrap it up this time um, by saying this, if, if, if you enjoy good, honest, frank talk about specialized transportation, oversized, overweight, keep tuning in because as we said in our inaugural part one podcast, we're going to bring you all the state officials from across the country. Uh, that control these permits that we just talked about. We're gonna bring specialized carriers, folks from the federal government, lots of great guests, in addition to our other podcasts, which will focus on truck navigation and fuel issues and routing and and, and IFTA and IRP and, and, and those types of issues. And where, Tony, and I'm asking you because I already forgot our producer's instruction, where might our listeners find those future podcasts? podcast at promiles.com thank you brother been enjoyable thank you look forward to seeing peace you peace next folks time. be safe take care